Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, everybody, and welcome along once again to the show, made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. And on this grand final weekend, we've got the company of a man who played in one while suspension denied him the chance to play in another. But Anthony Rocker kicked 415 career goals from 242 AFL games, 220 of them coming at Collingwood after that trade from Sydney. And the man known as Pebbles made his name as a powerful forward with a booming kick, who on four occasions was the Pies' leading goal kicker before being inducted into that club's Hall of Fame. Anthony Rocker, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, where do we find you at the moment? Uh, right now, so I'm the head coach at the Northern Knights and we just finished up in, in a final on the weekend where we got beaten by the Sandy Dragons and just sitting, so our home base is uh, Parade College and I'm sitting in a shed here filling out some exit forms, just some reviews for some of our players to go forward with. Northern Knights, are you enjoying the coaching? And obviously that's back, you know, for you, back to the future, back where it all started. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm, I really am. Um, I was in the AFL industry coaching for uh, for a good part of 10 years and um, enjo- really enjoyed that path. But uh, to put some effort and time back into some aspiring players to play AFL footy, VFL footy and all. Go back to local footy is um, really rewarding. Now, one thing I'm always fascinated by, uh, Anthony, and I just have to ask right off the top, is the art of kicking itself and kicking long in particular. So can't just be strength because some little fellas can foot a long, long way and some big fellas can't. And it can't be technique or timing related because that can be taught. And it's hard to think of someone who has started their career struggling to kick 50 and by the end kicks at 60. So what is it, if I can ask someone who used to give it a mighty roost? Probably five metres too far out to score the goal. He'd be kicking from uh, around about 60. He's a very long kick. This, uh, There's 13 Essendon players in the defence at the moment, in the side of the 50-metre arc. It's going with a torpedo. He's uh, got onto it and got onto it and got onto it. And he's kicked the goal. It was Buckley who found Rocker. Rocker is 65. The fans want a torpedo. So do I, Ed. Well, they're short in case he missed kicks the Tigers. He gets onto it. Probably hard to to explain sometimes. Um, it was just something that um, really come naturally to myself and, and to Sav as well. And forever as a as a kid, we were just you know, don't worry about kicking short. We just kicked it long most of the time. And yeah, yeah it, it is a bit of flexibility, and it is a fair bit of timing, and there is a little bit of um, strength through the glutes as well. Mm. So uh, it's a combination of everything. 
Yeah, it's amazing. I often look at players and just think they can they make it look easy, and then others are, are straining yeah. every sinew and they can't get the the carry. It's funny sometimes you look at someone kicking the ball from forty five and they can't make the distance. And you go, what's what's going on here? But uh, <laughs> no, it's it's um, it, it it did um, it did produce some some long goals and some extraordinary roars from the crowd, which yeah. was often quite. Um, Quite, quite good to hear, but um, yeah, it was something that m- me and my brother did naturally. And the accuracy as well. I mean, a lot is always made of this, given I guess it's a part of the game that where maybe it hasn't improved like most other aspects. In fact, it may have even regressed. I mean, your conversion rate outside of your first couple of seasons w- was largely excellent. How? When you kick outside 50, you're probably not expected to kick the goal. So there's probably a fair bit of pressure off for those kicks. With with you now with my set shot kicking within probably thirty, you know that's when you have the mentality. You know, you've got to kick this goal. This should be the easier goal. You probably put more pressure on yourself. And when you do that, you probably tense up a little bit, and you probably change your goal kicking um, routine a little bit. But I found like if you haven't got a solid set shot routine, then you tend to change it when things aren't going good enough. I reckon halfway through my career, I. I found, and particularly for those in closer, in closer shots, I found a routine um, which worked for me. Um, and, and probably my second half of my career, those those shots from inside thirty become you know better for me. So mm. yeah, it's something you've got to consistently work on, and and it's different. Like you've got to have the attitude at training. Like if you've got to perfect it at training. But the thing at training is you don't have eighty thousand screaming people um, <laughs> yelling at you and chanting you and wanting you to kick it and wanting you to miss it. and you, but So you've got to try and mentally put yourself in that situation through training where it just becomes a routine game day. And the modern game, obviously you've got an up-close look at it at underage level as a coach, but when you watch the AFL version, you see what defenders can't do now, the arm chopping, the hands in the back, etc. Do you wonder how many you might have kicked or do you see all the numbers that would now be in front of you and the need for forwards to get right up and right back and think, thank God I didn't have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I reckon when I just started retiring, so I retired in the end of '09. I reckon the game was starting to change that way, um, yeah, you know, probably 2009 and and, and so on. Uh, and the ability for the player to now, you know, we weren't the best um, uh, with our fitness at all, but um, the ability to have an athletic type player uh, is massive now. Um, and you've got to be fit. You've got to be able to run all day. You've got to be able to get up the ground, get back. Um, the player that's probably still doing it at the moment is um, Tom Hawkins, um, and has been a powerhouse at it. You know, probably not going anywhere past halfway or past the fifty. And they, they just seem to work out a game plan for him. But mm. um, yeah, it is. It is a lot of requirement. You know, the backs. You know, you can't often chop the arms anymore and. Um, it, I'm not sure if it's becoming easier. Um, yes, we want to do, we want to see more goals, uh, absolutely. But um, the, the the game is 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 gotten hard for both forwards and, and and defenders as well equally. I think. Let's go back, Anthony. Where was home as a kid? What are your memories of childhood? And was yours a traditional Italian household and upbringing? Uh, well, my mum was born here. She was born in Australia with you know with Italian uh, parents. My dad was born in Italy, come to Australia when he was eight. The majority of our language at home was was Australian English. Um, we went to we lived in Reservoir, which was you know predominantly like an ethnic 
um, suburb at, at the time and um, we went to a school called Lakeside uh, Primary and High School and um, it was a pretty tough school back in the day where you just had to um, fight your own way around and yeah. um, <laughs> it was quite interesting at times. But, um, you know, we both Sab and I did athletics as juniors. We had the local Edwards Lake athletics track around just in, at the end of the, our street where we lived. Um, so that played a big part in our in our junior life um, until Sav started playing footy for North Reservoir when they needed an extra player to play. And then you know, a couple months later, I'm following down there playing in the under-13s while he's playing in the 17s. And um, that's pretty much where our football took off. And then, you know, Sav went down to the 19s at Collingwood and I went to... Um, after under-15s got selected for the... Um, Northern Knights under 15 squad, I think it was, and um, and then from there down to 18 squad, and we won a great premiership there. We, you know, I think we won the first four in a row for the TAC Cup down at Northern Knights, and it was, you know, Keith Burns ran a really tight ship in the way he coached, and you know, it was just a good place to be. And then off to um, off to the AFL after getting drafted. So on the family front, I don't think mum and dad yep. weren't that keen on footy, were they, Anthony? I think Sav might have broken the ice for you in that regard, didn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty lucky he did. Um, <laughs> mum, mum wasn't into footy at all. Dad would watch it. He was a little bit of a Richmond supporter, and either, we didn't really follow uh, a lot of footy at the time. So um, it was uh, breaking a little bit of ground with with us. Him going to him going to uh, North Reservoir there and then getting to, like, I think Ray Shaw was coach at the time and he pushed Sav to the under-19. So he had a little bit of a pathway there. But, you know, when the footy was on at night in the, in the Rocker household, mum would watch one TV and um, my dad and my brother and myself would go in the other room and watch watch a bit of footy. Yeah, and you mentioned the School of Hard Knocks, I suppose, going to high school and, and whatnot. I mean, as someone who was imposing on the footy field, I think you were 104 or 5 kegs and 195 centimetres at your playing weight and height. You and Sav, were you always big coming through the ranks? Was it that Italian cooking or were you late developers? <laughs> no, I, I was a late... I grew late, so I, was, I wasn't as tall as, as what Sav was going to be. Then I had a bit of a growth spurt when I was about 16 and started to get some height, but yep. um, lucky that took over because I was either going to get taller or wider. <laughs> yes. So when did you think then, Anthony, I'm good enough and I can make something of this? So, And how big of a motivation was it seeing, you know, Sav make his debut in 92 for Collingwood. I think he kicked four in his first game. There was 68,000 at the G. I reckon you would have been yep. maybe 14 Bulldogs, years. I think. Yeah, Western Bulldogs, Footscray. You would have been yep. 14 years of age, I reckon, and I'm assuming really impressionable. So seeing it is being it, as they say in the classics. Well, what did you... What were your takeaways from that time and, and how big of a, a lure and motivation was it watching Sav make his AFL debut? Well, the lure was to want to play with my brother. Um, I you know, I don't think we played any junior footy together as, as kids. Um, I nearly got to do it with him in uh, year 12. They, they hit, hit the school won the Herald Sun Shield Cup um, in Sav's year 12 year and what, what was I? I think I was in year eight, and they needed an extra number for one of those games. And I sat on the bench for the whole game, and I was spewing. But <laughs> um, I know it sounds a little bit um, like up ourselves, but we 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 had talent as kids. Um, we were strong kids. We could kick the ball a long way. 
did we know we were going to make AFL footy? No, we had to work hard for it. Um, but I, I always felt like there was an opportunity there and um, just had to work hard to, to get there in the end. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers, a family-owned business since 1934. Anthony Rocker's introduction to AFL life is after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's great to have your company on This Is Your Journey. It's made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Former Collingwood star Anthony Rocker is our guest today. So, Anthony, you're 17. You're a standout at this stage with the Northern Knights. You're going to go early in the 1994 draft. I mean, that much is clear. Is it an anxious time or an exciting time? It was a bit of both. Yeah. I had a, fortunate for me, I had a pretty good grand final game in the under-18s for the Northern Knights. The best player for today's game, Anthony Rocker. Um, I would just like to thank TAC, bad luck to Geelong, and to our boys, well done. I think that helped me a little bit to get uh, selected a little bit higher. It was an exciting time fulfilling a dream, knowing that um, I was going to get picked up somewhere in the draft. Um, but it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go interstate, and I made that clear to a lot of teams at the time. But then I uh, heard my name read out, picked to for Sydney. It was actually quite ironic. I was at school at the time, so we weren't, we weren't anywhere in a building where they got all the, all the draftees in, or sorry, all the, all the high selections um, in at one, one spot. I was at school and we were watching it on TV, and they, you know, number two selection comes up, and they said. Tony Rocker from West Meadows, <laughs> and I've and I've gone. Oh, geez, hopefully that's not me. Hopefully it's someone else. But unfortunately, it was at the time. But look, yeah, I spent um, two years as a, as a as a player at the Swans. The first year, I was up and down. Like I didn't, I neglected to go initially because you know I was a bit of a homebody at the time and really close family connections, and I didn't go for about three or four months. And then at one stage, bit the bullet and said, look, I'll come. I'll come and train once a week and then play on the, uh, on the weekend and that's and they go yeah we'll agree to that and that's that's what happened for the first uh, for the first year of my of my career. Jeez, it is amazing to think back to that, isn't it? Like so your desire to stay in Melbourne was strong but you told other clubs that. So the problem for you I suppose was that you know Fremantle had pick one and Sydney had the next two picks yeah. I think. So it's amazing you refused to go up there and then you were commuting for a time. It's a, so fly up for training and you'd fly up before yeah. a game. Yeah, I'd I'd leave school early and catch a flight at about one or two o'clock. Training was at five. Sydney was only you know an hour, an hour and ten flight. Straight after training, jump on the plane, come back, go to school the next day, and then wow. a couple of days later, I go go back for game day. Some of the games were in Melbourne, which was which were good. And I think I played you know, seven or eight, nine games in the VFL before I played a senior game. Yeah, right. I'll tell you what, the frequent flight, frequent flight points got up pretty quick. Yeah. Well, that's the one silver lining because I'm looking at it going, how unsustainable is this? But so that's that's 95. By 96, your second year, Rodney Eads, obviously the coach at this time, and the side is humming and would eventually play in the grand final. Did they know you were going to push for a move south at the end of that year? Yeah. Yeah, I told them, we told them pretty early. They knew that I was going to... Um, come back to Melbourne at some stage and, and that was at the end of the second year and look, look my time at the Sydney Swans like, it, was, it was nice it was good they did everything they were very accommodating Yeah, they were really good to me in the sense that they um, 
looked after me with um, you know the accommodation sort of stuff and made me feel welcome every every single time. So it was a great bunch of people that I got to play with and experience. You know, I had the, the fortunate experience to play with Tony Lockett, Paul Kelly, um, Mark Bays, and and so on. You know, Michael A. Lachlan mm. uh, was one of them. Shannon Grant uh, was another. My time with that was was was, was really good. It, it had nothing to do with um, the culture, which was fantastic, the people or anything like that. It's just I wanted to come back home. Yeah, so you played the first five games in 96 and I think another bank of five in the second half of the season. I know a lot's been said uh, about this over the journey since, but the, your chances of selection, they weren't hurt by the fact that they knew you were going to leave, do you suspect? No, I don't think so. I, I did have a good run late. I had I kicked in the VFL, so we were still in the finals in 96 with the with the reserve team, and I think for the two games prior in the VFL, I kicked eight, six goals leading into almost getting selected. You know, you're never going to leave out uh, Tony Lockett or, yeah. or or those guys who are, you know, some of them were under injury clouds, which was which is quite interesting. But look, I, I, I tried to put my hand up for selection, and whether they played me or not for any reasons other than that was, I don't, I, I don't know. But I, look, I put myself up there, but I was never, they were never going to leave anyone out. And, bring me in at that stage. And just re-watching it, Anthony, as well, like you, you still, I think you were listed as an emergency, but you ran out with the team on, on, on the day of the game for the grand final. I think it was, so we ran out, it was myself, I think it was Simon Arnott, and I think it was, I think it was Matty Nix. Yeah, right. We ran out as emergencies, as the, um, it was interesting, because we ran out, we stayed there for the National Anthem, we ran back in, got abused running back in, so it was quite funny. <laughs> so... The trade period is stressful. I mean, any modern-day player especially will tell you that. But your experience back in late 96 sounded pretty stressful as well. What was it like? It was. It was. At the time, but the only way I wanted to... The only thing I wanted to do was play with my brother, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, and to get some, um, some communication with some other teams, and one of them was, was Essendon, that they wanted me to come and play with Essendon. But, yeah, it, it was quite stressful because the actual trade happened a couple of hours of the deadline. So it happened after the deadline. So once the deadline happened, we thought, well, nothing's, nothing's going to progress here. But we'll, we were told to sit tight and, and just hold on. So it happened uh, a couple of hours after the deadline happened. Yeah, so the Pies ended up trading Mark Orchard, Ben Wilson, and a, and a pick to the Swans for you. And, and you're right, it was said to be some two hours after the deadline. I think the way it was reported anyway was that Orchard and Wilson were in Mauritius holiday and, uh, yeah. and couldn't be contacted. Yep. And I guess there wouldn't have been any mobile phones back then, was there? It would have been the old brick, and you're not going to take that to Mauritius. Yeah, you're <laughs> not wrong. I actually, yeah, I think you're right there. Um, I think uh, Eddie Hillgrove tells the story that they were trying to find and contact Mark Orchard at the time and and Ben Wilson, but they um, they couldn't contact him and find him until um, until some time passed. So yeah, I felt sorry for those boys at the time, and I actually got to play with um, with Orch afterwards back at Collingwood, which was which was nice to have. Yeah, I mean they would have been thrilled, wouldn't they, having to put down their pina coladas to find out they're about to be punted <laughs> up to Sydney. <laughs> well, I don't think Mauritius is the best place on the footy trip, anyway. Right, okay. We're with Anthony Rocker. Oh, this is your journey. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating live. So. Anthony Rocker's big move to Collingwood and the union with Brother Sav is all ahead of us. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. 
You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest is Collingwood goal kicker Anthony Rocker. So, Anthony, it's 1997. You're where you always wanted to be. You're at Collingwood and your teammates with your brother, Severio Rocker, and your parents come to every game. I think your dad, even though he didn't want you to initially play all those years early, was coming to training. I think he was in the change rooms after games. Your folks were completely converted by this stage, weren't they? Well, my mum started watching footy more than my dad, so right. um, it was good. It was good. The, um, it, was, it was a dream come true, play um, with my brother at, um, at Collingwood, and our first game was, was a good game to be a part of. It was 97, Port Adelaide's first game in the competition. And yeah. We gave him a good touch-up, which was, which was a good start, but um, it was just fantastic to, um, to be playing at the Pies and, and with Sav. Well, Sav busted the pack right up, and here's brother Anthony going for a long shot. What a kick! Combination by the Rocker Boys. And then here comes Rocker once more. What a mark by Big Anthony. Well, there's, if there's been any doubt about his talent, Forget it. The kid's an enormous talent. He showed it in patches with Sydney. But I think he's coming of age. Look at that for a grab. Well, he went so early. The Rocker Brothers. Sounds like a vaudeville act. Sab's kicked six. Anthony's kicked one. From right on 50. Big thump and kick. He's kicked it. You just feel like uh, this is the beginning of something special as far as the Rockers tonight. It's the beginning of a new age for the Collingwood Footy Club in a way with these two players. Eight goals between the Rockers up to half-time. And round 15, so skipping forward a couple of weeks, against Fremantle Victoria Park, I think you kicked 13 goals between you. I think you chipped in with four. Big Sav kicked nine. These must have been great times. I think you might have kicked 100-plus, maybe 110 goals between you for the year. Yeah, we did start one. Sav had a... You know, there was a period there where Sav was just absolutely dominating, and you know, at, at his at his peak, it was hard to beat fairly, and then and then just such a good goal kicker when on his day. So um, we did have really good patches, and you know, the crowd loved us on occasions. And then it was times when we didn't go so well, and we got abused on on some other occasions as yeah. well. But. All in all, we were loved by the crowd. Yeah, and I guess some things now, I guess you can look back on with real pride. I mean, I think it's only four sets of brothers who kick more than 1,000 goals in VFL, AFL history, and the Rockers sit among them, amongst the likes of Coventry, Ablett, Matthews. Uh, you'd have to be proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great um, a great bunch of people who be, to be associated with. I'm, I'm happy that Sav kicked most of those goals, and, uh, <laughs> which is good, but... Um, Look, that's a that's a great company to be involved with. Yeah, and '98 was that. So the next year was that a difficult year by comparison? I think there was some suspension, some injury, and was there a mid-season trip that year, Anthony, up to the AIS in Canberra? What what was that about? You are right. There was there was talk about that, but it was I never took place in that. We never there was some sort of conversation that went on between the fitness staff and right. and someone else. But um, uh, it was actually news to me at the time. <laughs> but you know. It was fr- bit of frustration with form and I'm not sure I always had some sort of niggle early in my career but but you know that's the to and fro's of 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 playing footy so it wasn't difficult I reckon I might have played a couple few games in the in the VFL as well and yeah it was just you know if you if you didn't take a mark and kick goals and be involved with you know with play it was it was a pretty difficult time 
Yeah, so it's just the thing about life at Collingwood, I guess, or a big club, any big club in, in Melbourne, in a footy heartland, is I suppose the highs can be high, this is the outside, and the lows can be low. Was it feast or famine, did you feel at times? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And, you know, we're probably, I'm not sure if we had the, the greatest list going around, but we were, we were trying to compete with some really good clubs at the time, and um, 97 or 98 that we had a really good start and then we faded away quite badly but I can't remember which one it was but um, we just couldn't sustain it for the duration of the year compared to some other sides so that made it harder on, on, on occasions It's a mark on the line, Rucker! Oh, he's kicked it, he's missed everything! Can you believe that? Mick Davis around the body, back into the goal square That is unbelievable! Rucker on the goal line everything. Well, let's have a look at it. No, Breeze kick just didn't make it. Anthony's pushed to full forward. Takes the mark. Oh, dear, mate. And, and just the Australian Institute of Sport trip that never was. I mean, what were they yep. What were they thinking of achieving by sending you up there? Oh, I think I was just trying to find resolutions of, of my fitness. Um, I wasn't the most naturally gifted um player with fitness absolutely um like i i never did a lot of long distance running as a junior um so that that impacted me a fair bit but, right um i think that that's what it was all about i know i did some vo2 max lung capacity stuff at some stage and my lungs were okay and my heart rate was good and my my ability to do it was good but i just didn't have it in my legs to do it continually and was that and, some, you know, well, I didn't, yeah i i don't think i understood being so young, I don't think I understood the actual means of what it took to be a great runner at that stage. Right. Okay. So that was something you felt you're able to improve or you just learned, I guess, how to cope with it. You know, we can't be good at everything or the precious few can, I suppose. But did you, did you learn how to navigate it or you felt you improved it over, over the course of your career? I improved it. There's no doubt I, I did not shirk the issue. Um, but, there was a point in time um, where I'm going, you know, this is just, I've just got to start doing more more work on my running, yep. um, particularly my endurance running. And I remember, I can't remember what year it was. I think it might have been the end of 99 or 2000 or 98. I can't remember. But I remember the incident. I was, so I played a VFL game and I copped a cork in my shin and this was in the first quarter, and it was it was just there. I kept playing, kept playing to about the last quarter, and I've gone. I, I just can't bear this pain anymore. So I come off, iced up my shin, and as soon as I took the ice off, it, it blew up. I got compartment syndrome in my in my shin, um, and then went to the hospital, got it drained out. Oh, sorry, they they cut it open and released it. And while I was sitting in the hospital, um, our senior game was on. Um, and I think we played, it was either Melbourne or the Bulldogs. Mm. And I saw, and I was watching in the hospital bed, and I saw um, Paul Williams get shirt-fronted by another opponent. I can't remember which opponent it was. And I had that moment and that feeling that I needed to be out there to support my teammates. And that was, a, that was my light bulb moment. And then from then on, I think I, there was four matches left. I got back for the last game. Um, played a game against Sydney, and there was a little bit of talk around whether the club should keep me or or move me on, 
I think that was external stuff. I think that was a bit of media stuff. It was never, I never heard that from the club. Mm. But it was from that moment that I've gone, nah, things are going to start to change where I've just got to get fitter. And, and I had a, a really, really good off-season away from the footy club with my running and then come back, come back fitter. Um, and, and pretty much... And, and so that, this is probably... This is probably four or five years into my career where I've gone, nah, this is this is my moment, this is my time. Yeah. So that's probably the changing moment. And it's amazing. I reckon that might guess guessing, but it might have been late ninety eight, because ninety nine you came in, you had a stint in defence, you might have played just about everywhere. Yeah. Then you went back forward, you run second in the best and fairest to, to Nathan Buckley, of course. So I mean, yeah. was that that's obviously the penny dropping moment right there and the validation that, that maybe you needed to know that you, you, you could fulfil it consistently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I reckon you're right. Ninety eight. I played. I played back on for about three quarters of the year, and that was some of my best learning um, as a footballer going around. Yeah. Uh, just to understand what it takes to be that power forward. And I played at Wayne Carey. I played on Tony Lockett, um, Corey McKernan, on occasions. Um, so that was really good learning for me going forward. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. All right, the grand finals and all their high-stakes drama are after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. We're joined today by Collingwood Hall of Famer Anthony Rocker. So, Anthony, the 2002 Grand Final, look, as a neutral, a fantastic decider, wet, greasy conditions, albeit, I'm sure, painful memories for you. Does that... Does the day come to mind easily, or is it something that you've just put in the back of your mind and parked? No, it does come. It does come easily. Um, look, at, the reason was is because it's such a good game. I, I know, I know we lost, and it's unfortunate that we lost. But the game was such a, a contested battle against one of the best. Um, I, I consider probably one of the best teams of all time. So, so it does come easily. Like there was. It was a, you know the rain came before the game, and we thought that helped our our our, our cause a little bit. So uh, the thing about grand final days, you're pretty nervous. I remember getting to the game probably uh, an hour too early, and because you just want to get there and um, try and get rid of the nerves and things like that. But it was it was a great um, it was a great spectacle, great game to be a part of. Um, I remember there was. I was so fortunate to kick to kick the first goal of that game. From 51 metres, it's a thumping kick. It's coming back. I remember there was like seven or eight points kicked before I actually there was a goal kick. So Collingwood um, Collingwood had four behinds on the board, Anthony Brisbane three. And yeah, you kicked yeah. the first goal to the punt road end. I wanted to ask you: yep. the noise was enormous. Do you remember the feeling? It must have been like a bolt of electricity going through your body when you kicked it. The noise was enormous, and the fact that Paul Akiri kicked, kicked me the ball, and we were, you know, we were close friends before that. Sydney, we played at Sydney together. We played at Northern Knights together, and the fact that that happened like that was it was just an awesome feeling. 
It was it was it was noisy, but the the noise I always talk about the noise of the of the prelim the week before was um, the loudest roar I've ever heard on the football field. Collingwood will give nothing at the moment, and a little bit of run lining. This is the guy they want with the ball. Normally beautiful with his skills, certainly his kicking skills. He's carrying it just over centre. Well, Quill kick and Rockwell's got it. And look out, because this is his range. Well, this is a man. If he stands up, they're going to be very hard to beat. Here we go. It goes up. Um, compared to that, it was it was a it was a good good feeling. I can tell you that. You, I, I got <coughs> you, you have a very good game. Now you kick four goals, one. I have to ask you: Should it have been five straight? Who cover the distance? No worries about that. Anthony Rocker to put Collingwood back in front of the MCG. Anthony Rocker kicks it behind. I, I mark it down as five goals. I never, I never <laughs> had that one point because I, still in my mind, I see that goal going in by half a meter of the left point post. So this is halfway through the last term. If people don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, having a set shot to the city end, it's obviously tight. It's tight all day. Every Seemingly every act is is win or loss sort of stuff. And you appear to kick the goal. And I, I say that because we've only got the single camera angle to go on, but the crowd roar, you celebrate, yep. and then the goal yep. up signals are behind, and you are absolutely flabbergasted. I am um, because it was so evident that it was a goal. Um, I still had people come up to me and say, I was at that game, I was behind the goals, and it was an actual goal. So um, I can re- I can remember it vividly. You know, if it, if you had um, the behind-the-goals footage and the and the game and the goal, the point-post footage and cameras, you'd actually... Um, it actually probably be a different story. But um, it's... Um, it's... You know, when I think of it now, I, I get asked the question every second... Second day, was it a goal? Really? Yeah, the game. <laughs> yeah it's, it's quite funny. Just what you want. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I it was I thought it was that much of a goal that they kicked the ball out, and I was out of position for the zone. Like, and I think they went down the other end, might have kicked a goal. So, it, so you're saying it's not, it wasn't even close. I'm saying it was in by half a meter. Wow. So obviously, I watched the game back, and you've got your arms out, exasperated, looking at the field umpire for a good. Maybe ten or fifteen seconds. Like it, obviously, you can't do anything. But did you in the aftermath of the game, or did it go anywhere at all? The conversation around that being a goal. Well, there was a bit of talk. And, um, so I remember being in the uh, press conference afterwards with Mick, and they asked that question. And I, I, same thing I'm saying to you right now. I was, I thought it was a goal by half a meter. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a crazy. I was shocked watching it as well as just how short the goalposts were back then as well. <laughs> They were doing work to the back of the grandstand too. I think that's when they were doing the um, is it the Ponsford stand? Yeah, that's so right. redid that one. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So um, painful yeah. memories of that, of course. And then the prelim the following year. So suspension ends up robbing you of the chance to play in the 03 grand final. So the prelim win over Port Adelaide, you put in the book. I think it was for striking Brendan Laid, wasn't it? Uh, in the first quarter, yeah. You cop yep. two matches at the tribunal, and look. 
Shattered probably doesn't cut it. You might have even later called it the worst 24 hours of your life. Now, talk that Anthony Rocker may have been reported earlier in this game for oh. that incident. Well, we thought the Stevens one didn't look good, and that looks well, equally as troublesome for Magpie fans. Well, it's just reckless. No need for it. Yeah, it was, it was a tough time. Um, just for the fact that I let people down, um, let my te- teammates down, family down, and things like that. Um, they never... They never ever said that to me, but um, I had the realization that I let a lot of people down. But you know, um, you know, I raised the elbow, hit the shoulder, and then went up past and just clipped him on the on the chin a little bit. But um, I think if you um, if that goes to uh, tribunal now, you probably get one week and early please get off. Mm. The way things are going to the tribunal right now, <laughs> you'd be a brave person to predict, I reckon. Um, <laughs> so the actually, I was struck by the appeal because you appealed it, I think, and it, that involved flying. Laid Brennan Laid was fly, flew back to Melbourne to help the the appeal, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He, he helped. He tried to help us uh, in our cause, but um, to no avail. I think we had um, who was Peter Schwab who. Peter Schwab also when so when the verdict happened, Peter Schwab came in and talked about how missing grand finals is a lasting memory on him and just tried to downgrade the um, um the, the severity of the contest of the um of the two weeks. So, yeah, it's um, forever grateful for those points, those ex um, players trying to help out. Yeah, that's amazing from Laid to come back and and oh, I mean I can't even imagine what it would have been like you know sitting in the stands watching it you know. I don't know what what's you obviously prefer the team to win, um, and the fact that it wasn't close that time around must have sat no, with you for a I long think time. I, I sat in the um, coaches' box, the old coaches' box that they used to have in the um, MCC there. So yeah, that was that was interesting in itself. But we we just couldn't fire a shot the whole day. So and that was just a very good outfit. Injury certainly played a part in your journey, as it does most players. But, you know, and thankfully, I guess, not many rupture their Achilles like you did in 05. I think I remember watching this MCG night game. This is a nasty injury, Anthony. What are your, what are your memories of it? Yeah, it's probably it's probably one of those games I shouldn't have played because I came in with a little bit of an injury cloud to my calf. And um, <laughs> I actually kicked three goals in the first quarter. Um and then you know, I'm going, oh, I feel pretty good here. And then I was told for the whole game not to, because of my sore calf. And so I was strapped from from my from my toes all the way up to my calf just to try and restrict some movement in my calf. Um, but I went for a lead. I went for a lead in the first quarter and I went outside 50 and the message come out, goes, get back inside 50, but not when you're coming back out here. So... I was quite. I was quite. Wish I could play like that most of the time. But um, <laughs> yeah. so in the second quarter, so quarter time goes. I reckon probably about five minutes into the second quarter, I went for a lead and I just felt something. Felt something pop, and I turned around and I felt like someone had shot me. So yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I knew something wasn't right and had to hobble off. Um, how do you look back on it all, Anthony? Before we wind up, like, what, what's the word? Your career, I mean, is it thanks? Is it you're grateful? Your glass half full? Are you one for regrets? Or are you satisfied that you gave absolutely everything and, you know, there's always some things out of your control and you're thankful for the for the career that you did have? I think there's many different parts to it. Um, 
I'm thankful for the career I had. You know, not many people get to play uh, 242 games. Good delivery to Rocker, who's still a chance. Oh, he's done it! What a magnificent goal! Amazing effort by Anthony Rocker, if you don't mind, on the boundary line and on the left boot. Right on the boundary line, skids it through. But Peter Dacos is in the commentary box next to us, and he just smiles, because that was vintage Dacos. Um, injuries robbed me of trying to get to 250, and I, I, I could, if I didn't have the injuries, I could have got there three years prior to me retiring, if I played every game. Um, but there's different aspects. Now, um, am I empty a little bit not win, winning a premiership? Absolutely. Um, does it define me? No, absolutely not. Um, did I give everything out in the football field? I felt like I did. You know, was I fit enough? No. But I felt like I gave my best um, opportunity considering the limitations I had as well. So um, I, have, I have a conversation I have a conversation with a with an AFL player still like still to this day, but it's been going on for about six or seven years. And I go, what's what's? I ask him quite often, what's the definition of success in an AFL football player? Um, and there's there's different there's different answers to it. Um, some would I, I bet you that I bet you the um, Brisbane Brisbane players of them would say um, those grand finals that they won the premiership medals. Well, no one, not everyone gets to win uh, a premiership medal. Mm. Um, but as long as they, everyone knows that they've given their best and given their all um, and lived up to what their expectations on are, is their success. So it's different to everyone else. But, um, yep, I wish I would have won a premiership medal, absolutely. I feel a little bit void in that, but I feel, I feel like I've... Gave a lot to the Collingwood Football Club and to myself and to, and particularly to my family who, who are more importantly um, mm. happy with my achievement. Absolutely, and so they should be, and so should you. Great to have you along today, Anthony. You were certainly at the centre of some big stories in the game over the years. As we said, the trade, the suspension, the injuries, but you were a pivotal performer for Collingwood. You were loved and you were admired by the Black and White Army. Well done on everything you achieved, and thanks for sharing your story with us today. Pleasure. Thank you very much. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.